Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're now on Red Circle instead of Podbean. So if you're listening to this on somebody else's phone on Podbean, make sure that you switch or go to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or one of the other podcast apps. You also can find us on the Five Reasons YouTube channel. It's a great place to get us if you're an Android user because it works on both platforms. Hit like and subscribe. Get us to 20,000 subscribers. Also, fivereasonsports.com. Spell that one out. Latest takeaways on the Dolphins, the Heat, and more without a paywall. And the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure you check out Prize Picks. Use the code 5FIVE. Get your initial deposit matched up to $100. Of course, the NFL season is fast approaching. We've got the regular season games coming up in less than two weeks. Make sure you get in the futures and also make sure that you're making your bets. You can also play the other sports. This was just rated the number one fastest growing sports product in the country for the year 2021. Find out why. Use the code 5, F-I-V-E. That's the one where you get the match up to $100. And now, today's episode. Down to Biscay. Uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor plan, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I got Brady Hawk. You can follow him at Brady Hawk 305. I've got Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. Today, we're going to do a little bit of kind of a fantasy episode because we don't think this is actually going to happen. But Eric Spolster has kind of changed the game before. He went to pace and space. He went to positionless. A lot of that was based on principles from Mike D'Antoni and Don Nelson and others. But he kind of perfected it, and now other teams pick that up later on. Now I'm wondering this. The Miami Heat have not added a power forward. They may add one at some point. Maybe it's Jay Crowder. Maybe it's John Collins. Maybe it's Harrison Barnes. Maybe it's nobody at all. Whatever it is they end up doing, they are loaded at guard. And we've talked about that a lot. They have a lot of playable shooters. They have a lot of playable playmakers, particularly with the return and the recovery of Victor Oladipo, someone they're counting on quite heavily. Tyler Hero is still here. We're expecting an extension as soon as Donovan Mitchell is traded somewhere else, which is what we think is probably going to happen to the Knicks. And you've still got Gabe Vincent, Kyle Lowry, possibly in shape. Max Struess is killing people in pro-ams and all the rest of this stuff. Duncan Robinson is still on the roster. You add all of those guards together, plus Jimmy Butler, who can play obviously anywhere between the one and the four spot, and Caleb Martin. You've got a lot of guards. You've got a lot of smaller players. So I will ask this question, Alex. What if Eric Spolstra just decides, forget it. We're not even going to mess with the playing big stuff. We've got Bam. We're just going to spread the floor with shooters, playmakers, scorers, and we're just going to try to run people out of the gym, even though we've been a bottom five team at pace for the last however many years. 
First, do you think it's even possible? And second, would it work? I think to a, to a certain extent, they're going to be doing this. And Brady has talked about this plenty on this podcast. I just think that um, even though, like you said there, they don't play at a fast pace, right? That's not what they do. It's never been what they do. And even though Kyle Lowry helped that a bit, and that's exactly what it was, a bit. I don't expect them to be a fast-paced team. I would expect them to be faster, right? <laughs> In the same line of thinking, they'll be a little bit faster than what they were last season. Not necessarily a fast team, most likely still in the bottom 10 in the league. Um, I just think in general, if you're losing PJ, you bring back mostly the same roster other than drafting 19-year-old Nikola Jovic, um, going, you know, uh, as a plan, offense first, right? Kind of that being your, your switch up. It makes sense. I just don't foresee that happening right because I don't think Spo is going to put all that on Jimmy and Bam to uh, kind of play that way throughout the whole year specifically Jimmy I think it puts a lot on Kyle too if they're just constantly um, depending on their offense and then you know where they got to be outmatched size wise on defense it affects everybody I just don't think that's what they they're going to end up doing but I think they're going to do that in the playoffs right like I think once they get to the playoffs, you'll probably see a lot more of that, just like we saw in this last one, right? Specifically, you know, we saw it a whole lot in the second half of game seven after PJ was out. So it was kind of an ominous um, <laughs> foreshadowing of the future when we saw game seven versus the Celtics without PJ in the second half. And it was a lot of small ball lineups where Jimmy was at the four, Max was out there, Vic was out there, Kyle was out there, obviously. And, and I think those lineups, and we talked about, I think we did a whole podcast about those types of lineups. Um, I, I do think they can work. I think that's something that makes a lot of sense. But like I said, I think it's a playoff weapon. The funny thing about that, Brady, is we've talked about this in the context of them getting a four for the playoffs, right? Like maybe doing that at the trade deadline, which would mean that they would have to get through the first four months of the season essentially without one, unless they go to the yurt option, which we've talked about on other episodes, um, you know, or maybe you look at someone like that. And again, or maybe a Haywood Highsmith who is, you know, kind of middle-sized, you know, not, not a prototypical power forward, but a little bit more in the PJ mode. I, I'll just say this. It, they have said to me all off season, we want to get our best players on the floor. Okay. If that is the case, Tyler Hero and Victor Oladipo are two of their five best players, I believe. Um, and then, you know, you added Jimmy, Bam, and Kyle, and then you have kind of the Struce factor, which you've talked about, to provide the spacing. So this seems to me more likely than not with what they currently have. Yeah, I agree. We even did a podcast, I think it was a few weeks ago, where – I talked about the, the Tyler Depot and Jimmy minutes in the playoffs that they were just kind of going to that more and more. And the reason why is now that you lose PJ and you're potentially going smaller, we can see, I think those three playing together. And, and like you just said, adding in a bam at the five and a Kyle at the one is kind of a big deal. Like when you just look at this roster, like if you can find a way for those guys to mesh uh, there's just a lot to work off from there. But I think when you look at going smaller and potentially with more creators more shooters, just more guard play in general. There's nobody that's worried about the offensive side of the ball, I think, at this point. And I guess that's a good thing because I think all of the playoffs, everybody was screaming about they needed more offensively. I don't think anybody's worried about that if you're going smaller in that way. The thing that comes down on it is the defensive side of the ball is going to look a little weird because they're going to have to adjust some certain things because 
PJ Tucker was six, five. I think he was an inch taller than Victor Oladipo, who's definitely not a four, but he played a lot bigger than he was. And you were allowed to switch and everything along those lines where now it comes down to, if you're going to be going smaller, you can't be switching everything. Like, I think that's kind of the thing here where they have to now play a lot more drop, which I think they're going to this season. I think they have to this season. Uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that that Bam could still be pretty dominant as a drop big because he's quick. He can contain a lot of the guys can just kind of on the off the ball can stay home. Uh, so I think that's important. I also think when you look at the bench, other than Yurtsevin, they're going to have, they're basically forced to play small off the bench. Like either if you're saying Caleb's starting at the four, if he's not starting at the four, that bench is going to be very slim in size in general. Uh, and something me and Alex were talking about on the, on the Omer Yurtsevin podcast was that, I was saying, I think they're going to have to play more zone in those second unit lineups because, first of all, getting Omer just lying to sit around the rim and play in the bottom of that zone is good. Depot and Gabe potentially playing in that 2 2 1 press and, and going baseline to baseline is another good thing. But having the two wings on your team that are undersized just playing the boxes, that's kind of what you need because you cannot have them switching all over the place and all of a sudden they're duck, ducking down on an Embiid and now you're double teaming and they found ways to get around it at times. But I just think it's going to be a lot of stress in a regular season setting. Uh, you touched on it about kind of get, waiting until the deadline. I personally think they could survive to the deadline. But my thing is, I just don't know if they could survive past the deadline. Like, I think if you're putting out that much energy to kind of figure out this entire thing to the deadline, I think they can actually have a decent seed by that time. But then by the time you get there, the players are looking around and saying, so this is what we're going to be doing for the next few months and then have to get all the way through the postseason run with this exact type of play style. Like that's where it gets a little rough. That's why I think they do eventually make the move at the deadline. Uh, but that's kind of where it is. I think the defensive side of the ball, the rebounding is obviously where everybody's going to kind of be worrisome a little bit more. But it, it should be said that the offensive side of the ball would be a really fun thing to watch because putting that many creators and shooters on the floor together, like that's just a good formula to work in general. You make a good point there about how the players are going to react to this. After the break, I want to get into some of the other teams in the league that have tried this or maybe have considered trying this, and then some of the teams in the league that may have to adjust to the heat if they do this. But I will say this, going back to the LeBron James days, when Spo tried to put LeBron at the four on a consistent basis, even though all the lineups showed that the heat were more dynamic and LeBron was more dynamic with him at the four than at the three, he hated it. <laughs> And he complained about it all the time, particularly when he went out against the likes of David West uh, with Indiana. There are not a lot of David Wests in the league right now. The power forward – I read something the other day which I found really interesting. It's not the center position that's changed that much. It's the power forward position that's changed. There are still legitimate centers in the league, but the traditional Charles Oakley, David West type of power forward, those, there are not a lot of those anymore. So you might be able to get away with it more than you did before, but LeBron – openly complained about it okay privately complained to me and others a lot but he openly complained about it and i jimmy isn't built even like lebron so i'm just wondering how he's going to feel about this if they get to february and they're doing a ton of it no matter how productive they are after the break i do want to get into some, what some of the other teams may do to adjust and, and again what teams have done to actually try to have success with this in the past before we do want to tell you about another sponsor the five reasons sports network this show is sponsored by better help What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. 
A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. If you're looking for premium CBD, go to therapistpreferred.com. Use the code 5RSN. You'll get 25% off everything there, the tincture, the sports cream, the gummies. Again, that's therapistpreferred.com. And for your grooming products, that same code 5, that's number 5RSN at manscaped.com. You get 20% off. The great thing about Manscaped is after they send you the first razor, they just start sending you free stuff. Okay, so that's even beyond the code. So go to manscaped.com, use the code 5RSN, and then therapistpreferred.com for your CBD. Use the code 5RSN. Recent NBA champions. Who has played small, Alex, in your view? I mean, will, we, will we say that the Warriors just played small because they didn't have a whole bunch of other choices? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard when you get to the labeling, right? Because the Warriors are so traditionally known as like the team that that went small and was able to win small, right? And I think it just depends on the way you look at it. Like they had plenty of time where Dre, uh, Draymond was at the five, but Looney, you know, had a big role in their success uh, this season and in the past. I, I do think their recipe before and after Kevin Durant is a good um, testament to playing small, but it's also one that you can't necessarily replicate because of the specific type of talent they have, right? Where it's like two of the all-time greatest shooters. Steph is going to go down as a top 20, perhaps top 15 player of all time. You know, they had another guy who was an MVP level player at that point. So it was just so many things coming together uh, at the right time for them. But like, it, you can't you can't call the Raptors small, right? They had uh, Ibaka and Gasol. They they had a Siakam, they had Kawhi. They were a very big team pretty much at every position other than when they played Lowry and Van Vliet together. So um, I do think, and I feel like I've said this in other podcasts too, I think having variety is really important where you can kind of play multiple ways. Like, for example, we want to talk about recent champs, the bubble Lakers, not one that I necessarily want to, you know, give so much respect to because we never really <laughs> got to see the the fair fight there but that was a team that got better you, you got to give credit to frank vogel for as the that that bubble finals went on playing less and less dwight howard and uh more of ad at the five so if you want to talk about quote unquote small i think that the thing is having the right spacing and one big right and that's kind of what the, the whole big three era was when they were winning titles was bosh is the one big your stars and a proper amount of shooting and defense, right? And I think he can replicate a similar thing there with Jimmy and Bam being those uh, front court players. And I do think you're going to see it as a, as a, probably their closing lineup when, whenever they get to 
um, tight fourth quarters. I would not be surprised even during the regular season. Like I said, I think it's going to be a closing thing. But I think if the Heat could trade for a four, then you can go to, you know, you can feel good about the balance that you have on the roster, at least to be competitive with, you know, the other teams in the East. As of right now, it feels like they're almost forced to play small when things actually get imported in the playoffs. Like if they were to start the playoffs right now. And to that end, Brady, if we look at it that way, if you look at the three teams in the East that we're talking about, and you got to include the Nets now too. I mean, the four other teams in, in the East that are, that are potentially problematic for Miami. So we're looking at Milwaukee. We're looking at uh, Boston, Brooklyn, Philadelphia. All of those teams can play, I guess with the exception of the Nets, right? All of those teams can play big, right? I mean, Philly can play big now if they want to. I mean, because they have one of the two best bigs in the league. Um, you, you, Milwaukee can't play big. I mean, they're going to have Brooke healthy from the beginning of the season. So they do play small with Giannis at the five quite a bit, but they could go with Giannis and Portis and Brooke up front. Uh, Boston has options to play big with a healthy Robert Williams and, and some of the others that they have. And, uh, you know, so, so eliminate, and again, Brooklyn, yeah, I mean, I guess Nick Claxton, it looks like they may use Simmons at the five sums. So I'm, they're not going to be particularly big, but can, can the, all of this comes down to who can force their game onto the other. Right. So like, can the heat be so dynamic? I guess this is the question. Is there a tipping point where a group of hero Oladipo Butler Lowry throw a shooter in there occasionally like a Shrews, right. Or even a Duncan, if he's still here um, along with Bam, can be so good offensively that they dictate that to the other team and force the other team to play a way they don't want to play? I'll say they can, but I think the bigger question is, will they? And I don't think they will. I, I think if it gets down to it, that's why I keep saying at the deadline, a regular season, because if it comes down to it in a postseason matchup and you have Milwaukee on the other side, like you just said, or Boston on the other side, and you are basically betting down fully on your offense, just being that dynamic to just outweigh everything else, that's just where it get, everything kind of gets tough because we just saw what just happened. I think there's, there's certain limitations there offensively with this roster where they can get it done, as we all know, but there's certain limitations there where we could get to a point where everything's back on Jimmy Butler again and it's right on his shoulders offensively and now they're playing smaller and he's kind of the guy out there that's trying to do it. Yes, there's going to be internal improvements. Yes, there's going to be a lot on Victor Oladipo to kind of be that ignition of the offense as well at times. Uh, but I still think that this is a regular season experiment, in my opinion. Like, I think this is something that can get it done. I, a, a team that I think we didn't mention was the Rockets as another small ball team. What was it? I, was it PJ or was it Robert Covington that was kind of playing no, it was small PJ. ball? It was PJ that was playing the five on, on the real small ball team. So that's a little different as well because they had a, a score of another caliber and James Harden at that time. It was just as pure as it gets offensively. Uh, and they spaced the floor and it worked to a certain degree. But as we saw in the postseason, I wouldn't say they lost in those years because of them going small and getting outboarded. But at times, it showed that it could only get you so far in the postseason. I just think that's where it comes down is the deadline. You have to get the guy to put next to Bam. As, as you mentioned, Philly as, as another option. Being a 6'5 power forward to P.J. Tucker, I wouldn't say people called the Heat big last year with P.J. at the four. So I wouldn't really call them big. I guess Embiid being seven foot, you can include in just being that dominant. But I think you're mostly looking at, at Boston and Milwaukee. Uh, and as we just saw, those are two teams kind of standing in their way to get past. Like those are the two main teams. So 
I don't think you're building a roster to just match up specifically with those teams, but I think you have to be ready for the counterpunch, which on this roster today, they don't have a, any type of counterpunch to a team just being dominant on the glass or dominant, just going big. So uh, I think it could get them very far. Like you said, I, it would be a fun thing to watch, but it also bets a lot on internal improvements on, on Tyler kind of making a big surge in the postseason. It takes a lot on Victor Oladipo being that type of level hitting that Indiana or kind of exceeding that level offensively that he was in Indiana. So there's a lot of question marks there, but getting back to the regular season, I think they can kind of get to that point offensively in the regular season to carry them through. Philadelphia though, um, if they're moving Tobias back to the three full time, they, they do get a little bit bigger. Right. And then you, and then you're looking at what Harden as if he's, if you consider him a point guard, I mean, I don't know who the point guard is between him and Maxi but he's one of the bigger point guards in a whole lot of ways in the league. So, I, I mean, I think you're going to look small against all these teams. I mean, I, you, you just are Milwaukee more so than the others may uh, and Boston. I mean, Boston with Jalen and, and Tatum's length along with Robert Williams, uh, you know, smarts length. I mean, they're going to have some issues there. I mean, I think we're going to be talking about length a lot. Let me, let me just throw this one at you guys before we close. We did do the episode about uh, Oladipo hero and Jimmy together. In a world where they're playing a ton of minutes together with Bam, with Lowry, with Struess or Gabe kind of mixed in, you know, occasionally, or maybe a Duncan, uh, I'll throw the same question to you. Are, are we, are we looking at a scenario again where Jimmy is the team's leading scorer by a hair over Tyler, or do we see a possibility where maybe a healthy Vic jumps into that mix? Oh, I don't know about that. I thought you were going to say if it's going to be Tyler, leading the way or maybe you know bam as, as like a you know a, a wishful thinking one but no i don't i don't see that happening i think even though vic is going to have a big role i don't think his scoring average is going to be in the same place as jimmy tyler and like i said perhaps bam i i think jimmy and tyler are going to be neck and neck like they were and i think they're both going to have higher points per game um averages than they did last season assuming tyler starts and i think he will um to me, like Jimmy is just going to have to do a whole lot this season. Once again, the way that the roster looks right now. And I think that's one thing, like just outside of missing out on stars, which it seems like, you know, um, according to what Leif has put out there, that that's what's going to be the case, right? When the season starts, it seems like they have a little bit of time to maybe address that situation before the season starts, even though we kind of know that they don't necessarily have, you know, training camp, even as a deadline to, to trade for a four, like I think they, they're perfectly comfortable waiting until the actual trade deadline to um, fortify that position with whoever it is from these guys that we've talked about a million times at this point. But just the way that it looks right now, especially after talking it through all these teams in the conference and look like we, we didn't even go through the Raptors who are not necessarily huge, but are kind of big at every position, bigger than the heat for sure. Um, they've got the Cavs, you know, like looming there in the East. You've got, um, like the Hawks got better. They're not big, but mm -hmm. just in general, the Eastern Conference got bigger and better this offseason. The Heat didn't, right? So I think going small is a natural thing that they should do, but they almost kind of have to add a four, I think, in order to physically be able to uh, bang with these other teams that are out there. And just, you know, per the lineup data, I think everything that I've looked up, whether it's Jimmy and Bam together, whether it's um, Caleb at the four with Bam, playing without Jimmy and PJ, like I think that they have enough there 
that they can do it throughout the regular season, right? Like where you can kind of go different routes there and survive. But I, I like I said, the playoffs are a completely different story. And, you know, the way that it stands right now, I don't think that they have enough. To me, it's, it's so much on Vic. It, it, re- it really is like, because <laughs> if you look at their roster from last year, he's the only one who changes that equation at all. Like him becoming a dynamic scorer, like he was in Indiana in compliment to these other guys. And that's a big ask. I, I, I just know that they're discussing it behind the scenes about whether it's possible, but to actually see it on the floor and it may look great. We may come out of training camp saying, wow, the three of them look incredible together. And, and, you know, there's chemistry there that wasn't there last year and how are teams going to match up with them? If we're asking that question, they're in the right place. But if it still looks a little bit clunky and there's still no power forward on the team, then, yeah, you're, I mean, we're not just mentioning the other four teams, but Atlanta is a legitimate, you know, sort of mid-level contender in the East. Um, and obviously they've still got Capella and for now they've got Collins. And then you look at the Toronto, that's the longest team in the league. Like, I mean, they may not have the tallest team in the league, but that's the longest team in the league. And we know, that the, Heat struggled, we know that the Heat struggled with Cleveland's size. So Can I say one more thing about the Nets? This is one quick point here. I know that they might, necessarily, they might not necessarily play all these guys together, but if let's say their lineup is like KD, Ben Simmons, and Nick Claxton as their front court, all of a sudden they're pretty big. Like KD is like seven feet tall. Claxton is like 6'11". Ben, Tim- ben Simmons is like 6'10". So that's another team right there now that we know, you know, that they're sticking together. The Heat are the smallest big, uh, smallest quality team in the East, aren't they? I mean, uh, is that fair? In, ter- in terms of Bulls. functional size. Them or the Bulls? Yeah, you can make that argument. Well, I mean, the, the Bulls have Vucevic. You didn't fit very – well, we didn't even talk about the Bulls. That's <laughs> We don't even talk about the Bulls. <laughs> Right. I mean, at all, we never talk about the Bulls and the Bulls were at the number one seed of the Eastern Conference for a small period of time last year before everybody got hurt. Not that I'm expecting that to be sustained, but they're expecting Patrick Williams to come back as a totally different player this year. And and he would give them something they didn't have last year because he got hurt early in the season. But they do have him. They do have Vucevic. They've got length on the wings. Right. And if Lonzo comes back healthy, they've got size at the point guard position which gives them size too. So we're really talking about the four teams that we think are legitimate contenders for the number one spot along with the heat. But then you're talking at Atlanta, Cleveland, and Chicago, you filled out your eight teams in the Eastern conference already. Right. Which is why I think this whole Knicks exercise is stupid. Cause I think they're a play in team regardless. And, and then, and with all of these teams, the heat are significantly smaller. And I just knowing Spolstra as he's doing his mad scientist thing this off season, my guess is he's probably thinking, how do I make this an advantage for us? And, and that's why I wanted to do this episode. But again, we won't know until we get it through camp. I'll throw one more at you guys, and then that's it. Thanks to our sponsors, Prize Picks, use the code 5FIBE, Manscaped the Therapist Preferred, use the code 5RSN. I'll throw this one at you guys. Just, just quick answer. Just give me one name. Who averages more points per game this season, Victor Oladipo or Kyle Lowry, Brady? Victor Oladipo. Alex. I just uh... Alex, I, it, was, it was two go words. Go ahead, go ahead, Brady. Go ahead. No, it was two words. No, I'll let him answer. I'll let him answer. I was hoping you're going to keep going there to buy me some time. Uh, I'm going to say Vic. I think he's just going to be more aggressive scoring wise than Kyle is. I'll, I'll say my reasoning is just he's going to have the same role in my opinion as Tyler last season. That's kind of where I, I come down on it. And I think 
as much as we say what Kyle was, I think Kyle is going to be more willing to just kind of be ready for the postseason. As much as everybody may hate that, and they hated that statement last season when he kept saying, just wait for the postseason, I think he kind of has to after what we just saw. Heat fans aren't going to be happy if he's averaging 11 points a game, but I, I, I get it. I, I, if, you look, if you look at the construction of this roster, it probably should be in scoring Tyler 1. If Tyler starts, it should be Tyler 1, Jimmy 2, Bam 3, Victor 4, and Kyle five with, with Struess and Vincent as six and seven. That, that, that's how it looks to me on paper right now. But you know, whoever is four or five, people are going to be upset that they're four or five. If, if Bam is four or five, people are going to be upset with that for sure. If Kyle is four or five, especially if he's five or six, people are going to be upset with that. But it just, it's a balanced roster, but it's just a question of how Eric decides to use the pieces. But I, to me, they're more – I know Pat's in charge, but to me, with Spolster in charge, they're always more likely to bend small, always. And, uh, and, and if that's the case, Caleb's going to be eighth. Go ahead. I just want to throw one more thing in, a little off topic, but I just want to throw it in because this is, this is kind of on this type of level. Is what we keep saying – we didn't talk about this enough – is that they keep saying about Jimmy at the four being sustainable. Like, it, could this be something that puts Jimmy in an awkward position before the postseason? And I just want to say my opinion on that is that they're going to be switching everything anyway. I feel like I've said that like 20 times in this offseason, but you brought the Bulls earlier and it made me pop in, a head, in my head a, a random moment from the season was the game where they kept forcing the ball in the Vucevic and Jimmy was on him in the low post and he could just not score on Jimmy. I'm not saying that's going to happen every time, but that's going to happen whether Jimmy is a three this season with Caleb at the four or Jimmy's at the four with Victor Oladipo at the three. Like th- that is, he's going to be guarding those type of bigs and those type of fours regardless. So. Spolster saying the word positionless is absolutely accurate in that, in that type of way. All right, we'll close it there. We're going to do another episode uh, coming up in the next couple of days. Greg Sylvander and I are going to be joined by Sean Rochester. We're going to do this debate. We did this on Twitter. Who has emerged as more important historical figure for the Heat? Alonzo Mourning or Jimmy Butler? So think about that one as we go forward. Subscribe to our off the floor feed. Uh, it's on the top of our Twitter, uh, the Five Reasons Twitter account. Uh, Greg put some information about Donovan Mitchell on there today. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.